Welcome to this bonus episode of Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott. My co-host is Jim DeRogatis. And if you want to be the first to hear our bonus podcast, become a Sound Opinions member on Patreon like Chris Rosendahl of California. Thank Thanks. you, Chris. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Thanks for your support. Sometimes there's just too much good stuff we can't put in the regular show. So we uh, created these bonus episodes. Now, usually, Greg, you and me, we play the DIJ game, the Desert Island Jukebox. But today, we wanted to share some more content from our interview with Alicia Gaines of Ganser. That was one of the best chats we had in 2022. It was, yeah. That's coming up in a minute on Sound Opinions. And we are back in this bonus episode. We have some more content from our interview with Alicia Gaines. Alicia was was so kind about enjoying that interview on social media. We, you know, hey, Alicia, you're the one who gave us a gift. It was a pleasure to chat with you, and we are big Ganser fans. Uh, we'll be discussing how Ganser works during their production process, releasing music in a pandemic, its influences, and we even got Alicia to play the Desert Island Jukebox game. Do you find that, you know, as a four-piece, is, is everybody sort of coming up with their own parts, or is somebody kind of directing the song, kind of arranging it ahead of time, and then everybody follows that template? How does it typically work with the songwriting? For the songwriting, normally it starts with one or two people. Commonly, that would be myself or uh, Brian. And from there, we'll go out and, you know, write drum part, bass part, key part, and then we'll bring in Charlie. Charlie is kind of our wild card. That's kind of how he functions in the band. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we'll have a little little bit of something for him. You know, I'm not a guitarist, but sometimes I'll show him something, let's say on keys, that would represent the area we'd want him to go. And then you kind of just have to let him loose. That's just kind of how that goes with him. <laughs> great guitarist, great guitarist. It's kind of like trying to direct a stream or a river. You know, we'll get into a room with him and play a song for him and say, we're looking for something like this. And we'll just let him go. And he'll just do multiple versions against what's there. And you can kind of try to gently push him this way or push him that way. And it, it's kind of a fun, loose process. I, I love how much songs can change before and after we put guitar on it. It's a hallmark of the band that you are open to wherever each member is going to take a song. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I love writing music, but I think equally I love being surprised by my bandmates. That's a thing that really brings me a lot of joy personally is uh, I'll have a demo that I'll go listen to on my walks and I think it's there, but then... Charlie sends me a recording of him playing guitar on top of it, and suddenly it's something completely different, and I have to readjust. I think it's about that agility and being open to letting things change and letting things evolve. In some ways, it's very random, and then in some ways, we're very planned out. You know, we do pretty much half the production on something before we walk in the studio. We have a lot of ideas around that as well. I know. So imagine getting so excited to go on tour, finally having a bit of independence, and then all of a sudden a global pandemic decides to get in your way. Here's what Ganser's experience was like. Having having never toured, Greg, you know, what a heyday that is, right? You you might think winning an award or your first big piece of press or whatever. No, no. When you can actually have enough money in the band kitty to buy and insure 
a van, right? And then you have to park it in a city like Chicago, and mm. you got to be right, right. That's the sort of thing that never gets talked about. Yeah. But man, we're a band. We own a van. Yeah. I love that, Alicia. Yeah, it was it was a, a big moment, and then it suddenly was wow. You know, we can't do anything <laughs> with the van. We're, we're talking like two weeks before. I think that's when we bought it. Right. And it was definitely it's one of those things where we're like, well, and now it's going to sit. <laughs> well, and I, and I got to say, I know that every band lives to play. Being in front of, of people and seeing the faces and perform, you know, doing your thing, that's got to be the end game. That's the most important thing. But I will say this. The recorded music from bands that could not tour in that two-year period, that was like a lifesaver for me. And I'm sure there was other people in way more dire circumstances where the recordings were super important. And I remember there was a week that was going by, Alicia, where I was saying, hell of a day, kid, hell of a day yeah. to my wife. And she goes, why do you keep saying that? And I, sa- I said, it's a cancer song. Because <laughs> I'm listening to this record all the time. And it was like, we needed that stuff. So it wasn't like there was a void out there. People are still finding the music. I'm sure the inability to take the next step and perform it for people all over the country would have been ideal but it was reaching out there and i was curious did stuff like that sustain you at all were you aware of that because bands break up for many reasons and i could see many bands breaking up during the pandemic what's the point of keeping going right did you ever reach that point no i think (laughs) again we were very lucky in that we were in a position where we had some of the essential things that you need done We also had very unique problems to solve that kept us busy. And sometimes when things are really hard, sometimes you just need to stay busy. And for us, we had to figure out how do you shoot a music video when we can't be around each other? And the lengths that we went to to actually make that happen, looking back now, I don't know if I would agree to do it. Like, but it was, it, they were extreme times that it called for extreme measures. So when I look back and think, wow, we all really quarantined for two plus weeks, including our camera person, and concepted a music video that was mostly me alone outside. And that's how we were able to get it done. But we just kind of fixated ourselves on some problems, really trying to figure out how to do that. The strangest thing was that we did a a live audio tree session, I think it was in May of 2020. We were the first one back. Mm. And that was also very strange because, you know, we all quarantined again, two plus weeks going nowhere. We hadn't played that record out live yet. So suddenly you find yourself in a recording studio with camera people that are completely like hazmat suited up. Charlie and Brian are both wearing masks the entire performance because, you know, that's still it's still very early on and that was what should be done. But I think we were operating under some very extreme circumstances. And you can imagine that's not the same as playing a show for people at a venue. It was extremely overwhelming once we finally did have our first shows back, which was a year later, three nights at the Empty Bottle. It's very, very surreal. I had to start writing some stuff down just to remember it because I think I I hardly believe it thinking back on it you know yeah I can only imagine on Ganser's latest release nothing you do matters they were able to collaborate with someone who inspired their sound and even remix one of their songs for the EP here's who they worked with
What was the thinking about Liars Angus Andrew getting involved? Ah, so I love Liars. I have for quite some time. And when we were thinking about who we wanted to collaborate with in terms of a producer on this new material, his name came up simply because that band changes from record to record in a way that seemed very purposeful and intentional and smart. We knew that he had worked in everything from a traditional rock band to an electronic band, all within the same project. And we figured if anybody could handle kind of the breadth of our sound, it's someone like that. And so we got in touch with him. It was so funny. We got in touch with him thinking that we might be collaborating online. We thought this will be kind of like our remix project. We'll, we'll communicate via email. He's in Australia, clearly. This is how that's going to go. Got on a phone call with him. First thing I said was, you know, we are never satisfied with what we just did. And he kind of liked that. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, that kind of itchiness, that kind of compulsion to keep doing better and keep doing different. And then secondarily, he said that he had just moved to the States. And he had moved close enough that we were able to go meet at a studio between the two of us. Oh, great. So that was a wild coincidence. Absolutely insane coincidence. So there was a very surreal moment for us where we're showing demos, which is kind of like showing your diary to him and he's taking it and he's twisting some things and he's suggesting some things and it's all sounding great. We loved it. And we had our engineer, Brian Fox, who did Just Look at That Sky and Odd Talk with us. So we had somebody who was kind of our comfortable home base and somebody who could kind of stretch us and pull us in the room. And it was it was wonderful to have him as somebody cheering you on while you're doing like a vocal take because you know he's a very tall guy he's like six <laughs> six five six six he's very very big so um he just kind of brought a very calm measured energy to the whole affair while adding in an absolute amount of chaos to those tracks <laughs> <laughs> a big presence been talking with Alicia Gaines of the band Ganser, and we're now going to get into influences. So we got Alicia's addition to the Desert Island Jukebox. All right, uh, two, two questions about influences and other things that went in the band. You know, and I've always heard a heavy uh, shoegaze kind of influence. Those bands of the early 90s in the UK, Creation Records, you know, uh, My Bloody Valentine and Slow Dive and, and Ride. And it's just fascinating to Greg and me, having loved that music in the 90s, having seen it in the U.S. so marginal to what was happening in Seattle, right? Mm-hmm. And now seeing, you know, it seems like one out of three bands we're loving in the last couple of years are all like paying homage to that sound. Was that part of it because there is that you know and and part of it is the guitars and ganser are you know really a force to be reckoned with yeah we uh we do love that that stuff we met uh andy bell at riot fest in 2019 and he wound up actually doing a remix for us but that's definitely some stuff that we listen to a lot for sure i think the really interesting thing about our band is that You've got myself, who's from the West Coast. You've got Nadia, who's from the East Coast by way of Sicily. And then you've got Charlie and Brian, who are from Chicago. And then in addition to that, Charlie is uh, younger than, than Nadia and myself, and Brian is older 
than Nadia and myself. So we also have an age range in the band that I think expresses itself in interesting ways where, you know, Brian might bring in a band. He's the one who really is into that creation records, that kind of a sound. He's brought things to the group that we had never heard of. And likewise, Charlie is on the other end at a house show and saying, have you heard of this local (laughs) crusty band, you know, on that side. It also makes our opinions very funny in the band on, on certain groups like... Here's a good example, like Smashing Pumpkins is one where it's like you're going to have such distinct opinions on that band between the four of us because Mm -hmm. Nadia and I were in like the sweet spot of being into melancholy and and whatnot around the time when the band broke up, whereas Charlie was too young to really hear any of it. And Brian, on the other hand, was like seeing the pumpkins in the late 80s, early 90s, (laughs) you know. And it was all downhill after Gish. (laughs) (laughs) Wrong wrong era. Yeah. I won't speak for him. People make you, like every other interviewer is asking you about the pumpkins all the time. So you brought them up, though. So I gotta... Yeah, that, that one was my fault. That one was but my fault. But doesn't it make, you and Nadia, <laughs> as fans during their heyday, doesn't it make you just sad to see Billy becoming like Joe Rogan, insane person? <laughs> I mean, I think at this point, you know, for me, it's like, I'm baffled that any band stays together long enough to make two records. When you just think about the amount of like lives overlapping and all the things that can go wrong, I'm surprised that bands last at all, personally. But you know, when it comes to like bands that have a long history and where they kind of go, I, I'm just too, I'm too focused on bands that I'm interested in now. So I think you know the most I do is just my attention goes down. Alicia doesn't want to badmouth the pumpkins. I've done that enough, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. I mean, the way I look at it, too, with a lot of bands, they're, they're going to have, they're going to fall off. There's like a five-year window where you can do really great work, and that, that's what matters, you know? Like, the bands that do last longer than that, I mean, how much, you can count them on two hands, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. Let's, yeah. let's put it this way. I think the reason why that band sticks in my head is because it was implanted there by MTV, Nadia mm-hmm. and I are a very much an MTV generation. Like, we watched all of that all the way through the 90s and into the early 2000s. And I think when you look at bands like that, it's like, let's let's widen the scope. You know, you're looking at, I don't know, everything from like Nirvana to Radiohead to Garbage. When you think about how cool some of those music videos were and how cool some of that music is and what they were able to do and the tools with which they were given to do it, I was that kid that had those DVD collections of like all the Spike Jones music videos and, mm. you know, like all the cool Bjork videos. And I think if you want to know what the through line is and maybe why a band like that has such focus in my mind, it's because it, that's a time when all that stuff was possible. And I don't think we're in that time anymore, very clearly. We're trying to do what we can to make the world as we want to see it. But when you look back to a lot of those things, I'm thinking especially the music videos. I don't know. It's aspirational. Well, don't sell Ganser short. I think, you know, I'm generally speaking anti-video. I've hmm. Since MTV launched, I've thought the movie I can make in my head to great music is, is much more liberating and important to me than the images mm-hmm. that are often, you know, even Kurt, uh, you know, it's like that wasn't his idea, the cheerleaders. <laughs> right, know? right. It smells like team spirit. However, I think what Ganser does on an indie DIY level with filmmaking is really key to the band. You know, I'd be missing out if I didn't watch Ganser's videos the way I'll avoid anybody else's. Mm-hmm. Oh, thanks. 
Thank you. Yeah. All right. The other thing I'd love to hear you talk about, because you're such a great, you'd be a heck of a critic or, and journalist <laughs> if you weren't uh, a, a genius musician, is Peter Gabriel. Because he never, and I know your favorite album, because it always comes up in interviews. Pumpkins come up and Gabriel comes up, is the third. Yes. The third, so the Melting Face mm-hmm. solo album. Mm, yeah. So nobody ever talks, Wax is Rhapsodic. I, I don't want to force you to choose that as your Desert Island disc, but I'd love to hear you talk about it. Yeah, I think we, we love to be we just met met up last night and charlie was saying that you know he loves listening to a band he was talking about the band sorry and he likes that Mm. um they make choices that he doesn't see coming and i think that that's something that happens a lot on that particular peter gabriel record everything from you know intruder starting it off i know Such a sinister song, such a sneer. Creepy song. Yeah. Creepy, Creepy song. And I think it's, you know, it's a laddering back to me where I go, like, I, I love Radiohead. That's just kind of like my preteen. It's, it's stuck in my heart and will not get out. Is uh, They have a similar kind of sinister sneer to some of their music. Mm. And so once I found Peter Gabriel, I was like, oh, okay, this is where some of that energy is kind of coming from. Just the idiosyncratic playing, the people that are on that record are crazy. That record, I could listen to it over and over again for months, and I think I did during the pandemic. It was Peter Gabriel's Melt. It was Derudy Column, a couple of those uh, those records, and Talk Talk. And I think that really sums up, in, in terms of my influence, it's really just people that do whatever they want to do. And it shows yeah, yeah. in the work. I don't really like a lot of artists that play very much in very specified forms. A punk band that makes songs that sound like punk songs. You know, if it's old enough, maybe. For the most part, I want to listen to people doing exactly what they want to do idiosyncratically. Yeah, you're right about Talk Talk. That uh, Mark Hollis guy is pretty brilliant. And none of those albums really sound alike. It's fascinating. Also never talked about enough. Yeah, well, that's Let's very do another true. show with Alicia. Bands that don't get talked about. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to. We can talk about Japan. We can talk, oh, you know. Oh, Japan, yeah. We can go all in. <laughs> Alicia, do you want to pick a record for... Have you got a record on the this day? Desert Island Jukebox besides the ones we've already discussed? Yeah, if I had a, a good kind of like a Desert Island pick, I think I endlessly have listened to Boards of Canada's uh, Giogatti. Their mix of nostalgia and kind of childhood curiosity with a sinister undertone just it gets me every single time um i could i could listen to that record forever I am completely ignorant of that record. Oh, yeah. So, so take it. your place on Sound Opinions, and you're going to tell the listener to go dial this up right now. Yep. Why? Yep. Giogatti is a record that is made up of a lot of really great instrumentals, especially if you like experimental uh, electronic 
material. Like I know that Kid A, I think, was influenced a lot by by this this particular group. And um, they don't play out live a lot. So really, this record does live in your head. It's kind of what you were referring to with making a movie in your head with each song. It has mm. a strong, strong element of that. And these samples that I don't know the age of the members, but it sounds like they take a lot of samples from, let's say, like a 70s kids toy commercial those kind mm-hmm. of yeah. things that they really evo- evoke a time and a place but then twist it yeah. it's a scottish electronic duo right mm-hmm. yeah so and think like that, idm you know like apex twin and i think it was an interesting period that early 2000s era for electronic music there was some fascinating uh, recordings coming out after the initial wave of the late 90s boom was kind of very commercialized and these guys were more arty um, yeah apex twin orb uh, orbital i mean that was yeah. a golden era really yeah. i mean i assume you're familiar with their other ones is this the one the go-to record for a particular reason yeah it's a go-to record for me just because i feel like it has a very the tone is not unlike peter gabriel's melt it kind of has that kind of subterranean kind of feel back half of bowie's low kind of feel like that kind of there's something underneath the surface you know that really attracts me across all media you know whether it's like a david lynch movie or john waters movie just that kind of there's something skirting under the surface that I think really keeps me coming back to listen to those layers very intensely. Also, as somebody that does all the design for the band, um, I need things to listen to while doing design and uh, instrumental things are really good for that. So yeah, that's cool. Alicia, it's been a complete uh, privilege talking to you for Sound Opinions. I'm sorry it took so long. There was a, that pandemic thing. And we still want to do a live event with the band at some point. Yeah, it'll be fun. Well, thank you so much for, for having me. I We're all very excited about this. And, um, you know, during the pandemic, we were basically getting sending out smoke signals and hoping that, you know, people saw that we were doing and so we're here <laughs> yeah yeah and it was it warmed our tiny little cold black hearts when uh we saw that you guys were, were digging the record so uh thank you that's it for this bonus episode of sound opinions to support sound opinions become a member on patreon and connect with our other listeners in the facebook group as always sound opinions is produced by andrew gill alex claiborne and our associate producer sol delgadio and our Columbia College intern, Lauren Holt. Our social media consultant is Katie Cott. Thanks for listening.